Okay, we're back. Let's just say Hail Mary together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this is um, an article that's just really great about the different, it's very short, and it's about the latest forms of um, natural family planning and the latest science. So there's Billings Method, there's the Creighton Model, there's different ones. But today, I think we're mostly talking about the Billings Method. So couples are free to use natural family planning if they want to, but they don't have to, right? So like I said, you may want to see if how your fertility is when you first get married. Um, I, I met a woman and she said, I don't use natural family planning. I use supernatural family planning. <laughs> she said, I can't even decide what to have for supper, sister. You think I'm going to do charting? <laughs> like, no way. Um, what, what's important is what John Paul II calls responsible parenthood. Being responsible about the babies that you have. Um, and actually, uh, it's also known as conscious parenthood. So I'm conscious that sex equals babies. I'm aware of that. Um, and Janet Smith, who is a, an amazing um, writer on Humanae Vitae, she just came out with a new book called, which I can't wait to read, called Self-Gift Essays on Humanae Vitae and the Thought of John Paul II. She teaches at the Sacred Heart Seminary in Detroit, the diocesan seminary there. And she's written just a lot of books on Humanae Vitae. Um, and she says, you know, conscious parenthood is like, even when we're dating, we're conscious. Oh, if I were to have sex with this person, I could wind up pregnant outside of marriage. Um, so I'm conscious. And I'm consciously dating somebody who thinks about the body like I do and who might make a good spouse someday. I'm not just looking for somebody, fun person that I'm going to get in, involved with and enmeshed with. And then it's going to be hard to kind of like, well, now I'm thinking about marriage, but this is not actually a good marriage partner. <laughs> you know, like we're just hooking up and having fun or living together because we're, we're fun and we like each other. It's like, no, it's conscious. I'm consciously thinking I'm looking for a spouse and somebody who's going to be the mother or father of my children. Um, so I was, I was, uh, in Oregon talking about natural family planning to a marriage prep group and somebody stood up who's already married there and said, there's a thermometer you can get called wink. So it's, you take your, you have to take your temperature every morning. If you're doing natural family planning, the woman does, and it will go right to your app and record it. So it's super simple. It's called wink. It's a thermometer that's attached to an app. It's the best like $90 thermometer you're ever going to buy. <laughs> so people were putting it on their wedding registry <laughs> from the marriage prep class. Okay, but isn't natural family planning still scamming God? Aren't we still scamming God because we're still trying to prevent him from creating life? Okay, Lord, we won't use those artificial means. We won't do something while thwarting it at the same time, but we're still going to make sure you can't create life. 
No, that, that's not what it is. Because God respects the parents, right? God respects the decisions the parents make with him, not in a vacuum, not just the two of them. The couple makes with God. God respects that. And again, people are on a journey. It doesn't happen overnight. And it's not where you decide at the beginning of your marriage, we're going to have 2.5 kids. It's like, you might be thinking that way, but you know, again, you don't know. It's a journey. So if it was scamming God, the Catholic Church would not wholeheartedly approve natural family planning, right? And it does. On the other hand, what if somebody were just to use sex for babies and it wasn't about love? What if it's just about life? Would that also be using our partner? Up, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, we tend to think of it the other way, like, oh, people use it for love, to, to express love and for pleasure, and they're trying to get rid of that other part of it called life. But sometimes, especially on the part of women who want babies or a certain number of babies or just one baby or whatever, whether they're married or not, and they're using the guy just to have a baby, right? This happens. I've heard a lot of this from men where the men feel used like, oh, or even within a marriage. And I've heard this from psychologists where the woman, she only has sex to have one or two babies at the beginning of the marriage. And then she's done. She's done with sex. It's like, is that a marriage? No. Now, again, if a woman is having issues, pain, um, postpartum depression, um, maybe she was abused as a child and she has some stuff to work through, that's, that's a whole other case, right? Um, but for a woman to just be like, I'm only going to have sex at the beginning of my marriage to have my babies and then I'm done. No, <laughs> that's no, <laughs> that's not, no, <laughs> you know. We, we need some, some counseling and some work to be done there, okay? All right. So we have to understand, though, that this is a development of doctrine where, where the church says that love and life are of equal importance. Because before Vatican II, we used to hear the number one purpose of sex is babies, right? Is procreation. Not to say that love wasn't important or anything, union um, of the spouses, but it was kind of in, a, in, a, in an order, procreation and then union. But as a development of doctrine, the two are on the same level now. Um, what, what is development of doctrine? What does that mean? Does it mean that church teaching changes, that God changes his mind, that God is continuing to do public revelation? No. It means that we go deeper in our understanding um, of the doctrines and what God has revealed. So development of doctrine is we go deeper and deeper to understand. So in, on one hand, we are at a better place than we've ever been um, with regard to marriage and love and babies and sex and understanding the body. We have theology of the body. Wow. And let me just say something <laughs> that's a little bit of an aside, but John Paul II wrote his theology of the body not just as an answer to the sexual revolution, but an answer to all the false and wrong ways of thinking about the human body and the human person. So he was answering communism, which he lived under. He was answering Nazism, which he lived under. He was answering 
the sexual revolution, the French revolution, the enlightenment, all the isms. He was answering philosophers like Descartes and, and scientists like Bacon and philosophers like Kant and, and all the isms and the, the reductive ways of thinking about the body, reducing the body to something less and the human person, reducing the human person to something less than we really are. You know, so just remember that, that his theology of the body is comprehensive. It's a comprehensive view of the human person, starting with the human body, putting the focus <clears throat> back on the human body, our bodiliness. And this is going to last us for centuries. His theology of the body is going to be the basis of so much thinking about the human person that we desperately need for centuries to come. Amen? So exciting. Okay. So our acts, to be human acts, have to be fully human and involve our mind, our will, and our heart. So we are like a little trinity within ourselves. And our human actions can't just be based on feelings. They can't just be activist, you know, choices of the will. And they can't just be like a head trip of how I think about things and I impose on my body. It has to be integral. Mind, will, and heart. So the couple decides with God how many children they're planning to have. And it's usually as they go. They might have some rough idea when they first get married, but it's going to develop over time. Um, with the willingness to accept the children God entrusts to them. So I have young adults, they come to me and they say, is it okay if, you know, I want to get married, but I don't want to have kids? Maybe ever. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that's not okay. That's not what marriage is. And I said to them, have you ever been to a Catholic wedding? Oh yeah, plenty of Catholic weddings. I said, do you remember when the priest says to the couple, will you accept the children God sends to you? And they're like, no, <laughs> I never heard that. I'm like, okay, next time you're at a Catholic wedding, listen to the words when the priest says, will you accept the children God sends? And remember, God isn't sending these children out of the blue. All of a sudden, a stork is on my front doorstep. What the heck happened here? Right? Like, sex equals babies. This couple are doing something that has called this little being into life. You did it. You and you did this thing that called this person who's minding their own business. Oh, I'm just kidding. People don't pre-exist. <laughs> we don't pre-exist. We are created at the moment of conception. A new person comes into being. John Paul II doesn't call them babies. He calls them new persons because he's a philosopher. He always calls them new persons. So Adele, you know, the singer, a few years back, she was living with her boyfriend and she says, I have no idea how I got pregnant. <laughs> Probably because she was taking her birth control. And, and so of course, you know, the radio had a field day with that, right? The media had a field day like, Adele, we need to have a little talk <laughs> about the birds and the bees and how this stuff happens, right? So she had the baby. I think she married her boyfriend, I think. And then she has a second child now. But it was like so funny because we have so divorced in our minds sex from babies because of contraception. That's the only thing that made us divorce sex from babies in our minds. So there's no miracles, miracle babies. Well, sorry, scratch that. There are no oops babies. There are no surprise babies. There are no accident babies. And, and this is so sad because parents will even tell their kids that, right? 
you were an accident. What? Well, even, even jokingly, jokingly is probably even worse, right? I'm an accident? You didn't really want me, but now you love me because I'm here. But I was like, an accident? No human being is an accident, right? Um, maybe your parents didn't want you or didn't understand that sex equals babies, but God wanted you. God wanted you. So even though we don't pre-exist, we, we like to say that we were in the mind of God from all eternity, right? He was thinking about us, right? Because he was, because he knew he was going to create us. So he, we were in the mind of God as a thought, as a plan of his, but then we actually came into being. Um, this is a, I love this quote from Pope Benedict. We are not some casual and meaningless product of evolution. Each of us is the result of a thought of God. Each of us is willed. Each of us is loved. Each of us is necessary. So Pope Benedict is not denying that there might be some form of evolution. Um, but the fact that we are planned by God. God planned us. God did natural family planning with us. I, um, I met a little boy and it was so sad because I was in a church and we went down for coffee and donuts and obviously like I'm a nun, right? I wear a veil for you in audio land. I'm very nunly looking and <laughs> obviously I'm pro-life, right? I'm Catholic, whatever. And this couple, they were in their forties and they had a seven-year-old boy. Now that is not unusual to be fertile in your forties. And especially today where people are getting married later, you know, starting their families later. And this couple thought they had to explain to me why they had a child, a seven-year-old child. It was just so tragic. And I didn't think to say something to the couple at the time, but now I would, um, and say, you know what? You don't have to explain your child's existence to me. Nobody has to explain their existence, right? No, no human being has to justify their existence. So they had, they had had like three or four kids in their teens and twenties. And then they called him their miracle surprise. They put those two words together. This is our little miracle surprise. And this kid looks at them like, like how, I'm seven years old. How much longer are you going to call me your miracle surprise? You know, he was this smart little kid. We had a great conversation. So sometimes people will look at couples who practice natural family planning and observe that they have a large family. And they say, see, it doesn't work. <laughs> but Actually, what happened is the couple decided they kind of liked these little rugrats and they wanted some more, right? Um, there's, there's a couple. If you go to tinyurl.com forward slash TOB podcast, and I'm going to send you all this information if you give me your email. Um, there's a couple who uh, are talking about their, their experience of natural family planning and they wound up with eight girls. They had wanted four kids, but... Every time they had the, the, the next one, they're like, oh, let's just have one more. Let's just have one more. Let's just have... And now the oldest is in, in university and she said, mom and dad, can you just keep having babies till we have our own so we always have a baby in the house? <laughs> now, that might not be your thing. I mean, maybe you're not going to have eight girls or whatever. Um, and this doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's less generous, right? If they have less kids. Um, even raising one child is an amazing thing, right? Is an amazing task. But the way I look at it is like, if you have one, you might as well have more because they all have to have their shots. They all have to go to school. They all have to be fed. You can just kind of herd them, you know? Um, 
And John Paul II says, the best thing you can give your child is a sibling, right? So um, I just met somebody from a big family and they said, like how much they, now that they're grown up too, like I have, my kids have a lot of cousins. Um, We have family reunions. Like there's always somebody to take care of our parents who are elderly now. Like it's just so much fun to have this big family. And do they have fights and riffs? Yes, they do. But they're there when in the clutch, they're there for each other. You know, there's, there's some blood, there's blood there, right. That will die for you. Um, there, I met a couple, a younger couple, they're probably in their late thirties in North Dakota and they had 13 kids already. They had three sets of twins <laughs> and we were at this big, like Marian Eucharistic conference and the kids were running around, but they have a buddy system. So there's an older child with a younger child. And the parents were just doing their own thing while the kids were walking around. And they said, you know, people forget that they don't all come at once, <laughs> you know, except the twins. <laughs> they said, and so like by the time, you know, somebody's 10 or 11 or 12, they start helping with the little kids. She says, and actually now they have a 17, 18, 19 year old. She said, my husband and I go on vacations, the two of us just together and the kids help out. They take care of the house and, and do stuff. So, um, there are ways and there are ways. So what are some of the different other differences between contraception and natural family planning? If both are a means to avoid pregnancy, what are some of the other differences between contraception and natural family planning besides doing something and not doing something? Well, there's a lot of differences. Number one, natural family planning is not just a means to avoid a pregnancy, it's a means to achieve a pregnancy, whereas contraception is only about avoiding, right? Natural family planning, charting, can tell you when you are most fertile, when you're trying to achieve a pregnancy. Number two, um, as we said, contraception is doing something while frustrating it and subverting it at the same time, and natural family planning is not doing something. Number three, contraception splits life and love. Natural family planning keeps it together. And that's also a splitting of the spiritual and the physical too. We're doing that at the same time. Number four, the end doesn't justify the means. You've heard that, right? It's a principle for all human action. My, the goal that I'm trying to achieve does not justify getting there any old way. So even if my end is a good end or a neutral end, I can't use evil means to get there. We cannot do evil that good may result because it, in the end, it won't really be good. It's not, it's going to be a mixed result because there was evil in it. Number five, some actions are just wrong in themselves, regardless of good intentions. Number six, the contraceptive mentality tends to be closed to life. And we'll talk about that, what that means. The natural family planning mentality tends to be open to life. Number seven, with the contraceptive mentality, couples don't always agree on some of the most important things in their life. Like he wants more kids, but she doesn't. She wants more kids, but he doesn't. With the natural family planning mentality, think about this. They have to be on the same page and they have to talk about it every single month. Okay, what are we going to do this month? We're going to abstain or not? We're, we're, we're not really thinking about having a child right now. And I'm in my fertile time. What are we going to do? 
right? They have to talk about this every single month and they have to be on the same page. It's just, it's just how it works. So natural family planning mentality says that ultimately, even with planning, we're open to life if God does send life. But oftentimes with natural family planning, the couple winds up having their target number of children. There's a great um, witness uh, CD from Lighthouse Media by Patty Schneier. She's from St. Louis. And it's kind of a long story, but she had three kids already and she was contracepting and God really convicted her. She started through Lexio Divina. She started praying Lexio Divina with the Bible. And one morning out of the blue, she heard God say to her, Patty, you haven't given me all of your life yet. And she didn't really understand much because she had never really been taught about Humanae Vitae herself. But it was this area of her life. She kind of kind of knew the church said no to contraception, didn't have a clue why. Because it seemed like a good thing, right? Prevents abortions, so-called, supposedly. We're going to take that up. Um, and she had three kids already. She had been open to life, right? But she was convicted in this area. So she started practicing natural family planning, did not have any more children. Um, and now she's, I think, past childbearing age. Sorry, Patty, if you're not. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's very well preserved. She's a gymnastics teacher. Um, she looks great. You look great, Patty. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I, I remember hearing this. Um, one thing is that I've always been pro-life in the sense of abortion. Like I always knew abortion was wrong from age 10. I became pro-life at age 10. I got everything else wrong, like everything else wrong. Because remember, radical feminist mentality, hated the Catholic Church, rejected the Catholic Church. But I knew that abortion was the taking of a human life. Because um, I went to my dad, who was a pro-life speaker, and I, I had gone to public schools, K through 8. And I went to my dad and I said, Dad, why are we telling women what to do with their bodies? <laughs> and he said, honey, what if the house next door was on fire? Would we go in and get the kids out? I said, of course. He said, what do we care? They're not our children. And I said, oh, are you telling me there's a new person, like an, a, a, another person? It's not just part of a blob, part of the woman's body? He said, yes, it's, a, it's another person inside her body. Oh, so that changed everything for me because I was about fighting for the under underdog. Even at 10 years old, my mother called me her little banner waver. Like I was, I wanted to fight for the, per, the, the lowest of the low who really had no voice. Nobody else could, you know, somebody had to speak up for these people. So ever since then, I was pro-life with regard to abortion, but got everything else wrong. So I would go to these pro-life rallies, um, and I would hear people talking about the contraceptive mentality. And I couldn't understand what that meant and why they kept linking contraception with abortion. I, I didn't get it. I was like, no, because I, th I thought the pill was 100% effective at that point. I thought contraception was magic. And if you just did it right, you would never, ever, ever get pregnant. So before we ever do something, it starts in the mind. So before we actually use contraception, we start thinking about it, we make a plan, and we have a contraceptive mentality. So this is what a contraceptive mentality says. Sex, not open to babies, 
with planning involved. So a married couple decides we're going to have two children. With a contraceptive mentality, this tends to be absolute and ironclad. No more babies after those two. A couple may give away all their baby furniture and really, really plan for that babyless now future and close the rest of their lives, maybe with some form of sterilization even to another child. But this is highly unrealistic. Women are fertile through their 40s, right? And men are fertile forever, <laughs> pretty much, right? Um, and if they're going to continue having sex, which they most likely will, chances are for, for the next 12, 15 years, chances are she's going to get pregnant at some point. And now abortion becomes a very tempting option, right? Because we, we, we've two kids, that's it, we're done. Also, in a Catholic marriage, when the couple agrees to accept the children God sends, this doesn't mean just being open to life once or twice. Open to life meaning open to life in the marital embrace because there's nothing thwarting it. It's not that we block, 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 block every time we're having the marital embrace. We're blocking, blocking, blocking one way or another, whatever form of contraception we're using. But the, once or twice in our life, we're going to have one baby and then another baby. And then we're just going to block, 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 block. So that's not being open to life. And, and the thing is, when you get pregnant after having sex, something didn't go wrong. Something went very right. <laughs> okay. and, and the burden with the contraceptive mentality tends to be all on the woman. It's usually her using some form of contraception. And then um, there can be a lot of tension and anxiety about her possibly getting pregnant again. Um, and now she's pregnant. You know, there's a big gap between her last child. She, she's not going to tell her husband, right, necessarily. The husband doesn't know unless the wife chooses to tell him that she's pregnant. And she's going to look really foolish in her neighborhood because nobody else is having babies in their 40s. They all had their babies in their 20s or 30s. And now she's going to look foolish, right? There's a lot of societal pressure, a lot, a lot, a lot. So women need support systems. Talk to the Sisters of Life. Whether that girl is 13 years old or 25 or 45, pregnant women need support systems. They need people around them cheering them on, um, you know, who's going to help them after the baby's born, et cetera, et cetera. But we live in this very individualistic society, right? Even families, we have the nuclear family, you know, mom, dad, kids, grandparents may not be in the picture, aunties or who used to help out or whatever. Um, we, don't, we don't have that as much anymore. So the woman is even more alone and isolated sometimes with children and babies in childcare. So she's going to look foolish. Is her husband going to get angry because they had decided no more babies? Is she going to be blamed for not taking her birth control properly, et cetera, et cetera? So sadly, some women, I always wondered about that. Are women, are married women having abortions? Well, we know that from Planned Parenthood. They say, you know, half of their clientele are married women um, who have children, but they just don't want any more. Um, and I wonder, do the husbands even know? So a bunch of women wrote into the New York Times recently and said, of course we have abortions without telling our husbands. What do you think? It's like, that is like so sad, right? Now you have a death at the heart of the marriage. And the husband may not even know why. And suddenly his wife is sad and depressed and she's kind of resentful of him and angry. Like, this, is this the way to live our lives, people? No, 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 no. So, so when Pope Benedict was in Africa at one point, 
and they were talking about condoms as regards HIV within a marriage, right? So the husband is infected and is it okay to use condoms so his wife doesn't get HIV and this and that? So there's a whole big conversation about that. And Pope Benedict said, we need a new way of relating to one another as persons. Right? I mean, bottom line, that's what it is. A new way of relating to one another as persons. Okay. So, I mean, Sarah Palin, you know, who was running for president or vice president, whatever. This is not about politics. She already had four kids and she was pro-life. She was 44 years old, 45 and she got pregnant again. And she said, I had a moment with her fifth child and she was very politically active. And she said, I had a moment where I considered abortion, getting rid of this baby. And she said, and I realized I had to put my money where my mouth is. And so she, the little boy is down syndrome. I think his name is Trig. <laughs> and so she came forth with her story and said, I had a, I had, I, I considered not telling my husband and having an abortion. She goes, but I, I can't do that. I have to walk the talk. Right. So she's got this little, he's the joy of their lives now, little trig. Um, a lot of other stories like that. Now, what does the natural family planning mentality say? It says sex, open to babies, because nothing's being done to thwart it, but there's planning involved. A married couple decides the same thing. We're going to have two kids, but this is not absolute and ironclad, but rather acknowledges the fact that sex equals babies. The couple's attitude is, we really only want two children maybe forever, or maybe just right now. But if God sends more, we will welcome them. Abortion is not an option ever. And as far as worrying about what the neighbors think, natural family planning couples are working so hard on their marriage and they're living an alternative lifestyle anyway, they don't really care too much about what the neighbors think. Um, and it's not just the woman's problem or fault or pregnancy or whatever, because they decided together what they were going to do each month. So Cardinal O'Malley of Boston, um, at one of the March for Life's in um, Washington, D.C., he brought up, brought up a really good point. He said, you know, abortion for a lot of women is about control, obviously, because when you're pregnant, in a sense, you're a little more out of control of your life and your body, at least for while you're pregnant. Um, he said, and let's remember, our society tightly controls everything, right? We're in charge. We plan everything. We have play dates for our kids, right? Those kids are so scheduled, like they don't even have time to breathe and go out in the backyard and <laughs> be play in the mud. No, you have Chinese lessons and you take two two sports, not one, and you do two musical instruments and you know you got to pad that resume by the time you're six years old. <laughs> you know, it's like, and and these kids are like so over scheduled, right? Um, and suddenly we have to let go. Babies force us to let go, not just, you know, the, the woman, especially the woman, but also the, the husband, right? You got to make room for this new person. Um, life is messy with literally with babies, right? Life in children, life becomes very messy. Don't make me count to one, two, three. Yeah, it's a parent rap, y'all. We may spend most of our time chasing toddlers down, but we still know how to rock the hizzle. I don't even know what you just said. 
We used to be cool Back in the day, back on the block Watching PG-13 movies, staying up way after dark And we had a couple shorties And now we're really flossy Cause now we be rolling with our own little posse In the minivan Or in our little wagon Let me throw it to moms Cause the little one is sagging I used to bring it up, I used to dress real shoot Now I accessorize the food that's already been chewed And that's alright I make this diaper bag look good When I'm walking through the mall Trying to wrangle my group My PB&J's will set your world on fire I can make you mac and cheese blindfolded on a wire I'm wiping the doo-doo Kissing the boobers Got them eyes in the back of my head I see all you do Using your full name so you know I can play and that's why all my kiddos, they keep saying, Mom, Mom, she's the bomb. Rocking all night to the break of dawn. Cooking every piece so I'll grow up strong. Got my second seatbelt if we crash head on. Dad, Dad, he's the man. Working real hard to support the clan. Trading in his Porsche for an old sedan. Raising those brows if we get out of hand. When it comes to Candyland, I'm a stone cold player. Helping out with the homework, I'm an algebra slayer. You in at night, you'll be as snug as a bug. Then I'm off in the morning to make that cheese. You may not know this yet, but it doesn't grow on trees. Now, mama, take it, please. What? Uh, take it. I'm dropping time like the hot potty, training on my tops, washing all the pins and pots, tying little shoes and knots, giving knowledge to your brain like if your friendship off the train. You don't have to do the same, not get your toys out of the rain. I'm cleaning every bill, cutting coupons like a bill. If you need parental skill, now you know where you're for real. in our world they should have said dad dad he's so rad it would have rhymed right <laughs> but otherwise excellent video it's called the parent rap um we have to learn to let go a little more turn to god for help trust god communicate with god communicate with our spouse trust our spouse rearrange our priorities and realize we're not totally in control especially with regards to something as wild and crazy as sex and new life. Safe sex? Safer sex? Sex is not safe. <laughs> there is nothing safe about sex. It's not supposed to be. Okay. Um, there's no quick fixes or guarantees about pregnancy. Um, right? So 
people insist that there be sex ed programs that teach all kinds of information about sex outside marriage because they believe teens are just going to have sex anyway. That's not true. And there's no right way to do the wrong thing. We, in, our, in our culture, we've, we've started to like choose between evils. We don't, even, we don't even think like we can have something better. It's like, oh, we just have to choose between the lesser evil or the other, the worser evil. It's like, no, we can do better than that. We can have better. So now this is huge. Okay, you want a truth bomb? Are you, can you handle the truth? Are you ready for the truth? This to me is the heart of what the difference between contraception and natural family planning. JP2 says they are two irreconcilable concepts of the human person and human sexuality. Whoa. It's not just natural and artificial. These are two irreconcilable concepts of the human person and human sexuality, obviously, but the human person too, because we don't understand what a human person is if we don't understand why contraception is not okay. So here's some benefits. Natural family planning is pro-woman and pro-communication. It's completely healthy. It is not causing your body to malfunction. And it's respectful of a woman's body and her psyche. For couples who use contraception, every day is like every other day. They may have talked about babies and sex at the beginning of the marriage, and then they're done. No need for more conversations. And a woman is now always available. She has to be always available now, right? She's not going to get pregnant, or so they think. It's a done deal. For couples who use natural family planning, every day is not like every other day. There is frequent communication about sex and babies and family planning and her cycle. So they say that something like 93% of couples' communication is nonverbal. Have you heard that? Couples get to a point they don't need to, like, just just a glance will do it. Are you two married? Are you two married? <laughs> okay, so they just, they just did it. They just did a little glance there. Okay. <laughs> and each of them knows exactly what that means, right? Um, so, and that's okay, but... Couples do need to talk, too. They need to talk about the important things, not just the everyday, mundane, practical things. They need to talk about important stuff. So natural family planning can provide those missing conversations in a marriage. Do you know what matrimony means, literally? Mother's mission. Matrimony means mother's mission. Why? Because she's going to get pregnant, not him, her in the marriage. And so when she gets pregnant, it's going to be all about her in a really good way. Right, Jeanette? <laughs> Jeanette's pregnant. <laughs> Number four back there. Okay. I'm the godmother. That's why I'm all excited. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's all about her in a good way. It's going to be about her and the baby. That's going to be the focus now. So Father Thomas Loya, who is a Byzantine priest, who's one of my Theology of the Body mentors, he said, this is, he always does this little thing. He says, you know, we don't want to look backwards in theology of the body. People accuse theology of the body of trying to turn the hands of time back to the 19, supposedly idyllic 1950s, which was not so idyllic for women. I mean, in some ways, maybe, but in other ways, absolutely not. He said, this was marriage prep back in the 1950s. The priest would sit the, the fiancés down and say to the woman, it was all her fault. Everything was her fault. Everything was on her. You are not to deny him ever. 
And if you do, it's your fault if he has an affair or whatever. <laughs> okay. The end. End of end of conversation. Now, again, that's a, an exaggeration, but with natural family planning, it's it levels the playing field now um, for the woman. So what happens with natural family planning is the husband, the man, must now be attentive to the woman's cycles. First of all, she has to be attentive to her own cycles, but now he has to be attentive to her cycles. Now, what if a couple uses contraception, but they're more than willing to accept any babies that come and they would never have an abortion? I think a lot of couples do this. You know, a lot of couples are using contraception and they would never have an abortion. It's just like, well, if we get pregnant, we get pregnant. We're going to have the baby. Um, that's okay. So what's happening in that scenario is the means are bad, but the end is good. But they're still destroying that total gift each time they come together in the marital embrace. So they're, they're, they're damaging the whole, the whole of it, right? So even though there's a good end, a good intention in the end, Bad means are being used and all the, the bad side effects, spiritual and physical, from using the bad means. Also, with contraception, the woman becomes a man. Why can't women be more like men? You know, remember that song from My Fair Lady? <laughs> Rex Harrison. Wasn't it Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady? Why can't women, I have to get that song, be more like men? So men... In a sense, yes, they like the, the sexual difference, and so do women like that. But wouldn't that be convenient and wonderful for a man if he can have sex whenever he wants, and she's not going to get pregnant, so there's no duties of parental responsibilities, etc. So, and it's also women denying their femininity, obliterating the feminine. So this is what radical feminism does. And I know because I'm a former radical feminist, it obliterates the feminine. It says, I want to have sex like a man, meaning I can have sex during my fertile times and never get pregnant. Having sex like a man. So now she has made herself like a man. So, so men have to really want women to be women. And women have to really want to be women. That's what's at stake here, too. And women also have to want men to be men. So he's not your, your buddy that you take shopping to the mall and pour out all your emotional whatevers to. That's for your girlfriends, right? A man is different. He has a different place in your life. Men can't look at women and say, oh, I just want her to be like my, um, my, my buddy. <laughs> and we have sex, but she's like my buddy. And she's like, just like me. And we do everything together. And, and, and she's like me. Does that make sense? She's not like you. She's a woman. She's different. She has different emotional needs, different psychological needs. We're, we're, we complement each other. We're different. 
So a woman has to be respected as a woman with her fertility, her female fertility. A man has to be respected as a man with his masculine and male fertility um, and his, his differences. There was a great little movie called A Matter of Principle with Alan Arkin. It's an oldie. And he actually acted with his wife in this movie. And they're down south. And he keeps saying, good times are coming, Ada. And he wasn't like the greatest provider or anything. And they had a bunch of kids and pets and whatever. And the line at the end of that movie was, um, somebody was criticizing her. They didn't like her husband. And she says, well, that depends. Do you want a kitten or do you want a man? <laughs> anyway, we're different. We're different. We're different. Men and women are very, very different. Not just sexually. I mean, that's the number one place where we're very different. But in other ways too. And we have to respect our differences and honor our differences and value them and work with them, not try to obliterate them. Women trying to make men like, like women and men trying to make women like men. Because it's easier to relate to, right? It's hard to go out of ourselves to the other, the one that is not like me and try to understand them, right? We have to keep working at that. So what if a married couple uses natural family planning, but they are absolutely closed to new life that they haven't planned? Is that possible? Could be, could be, but it's rare because natural family planning is such a committed lifestyle that, and it's used within marriage. Is natural family planning used widely outside of marriage? Absolutely not. Is contraception used widely outside marriage? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So right away, we have a, a totality, like a total commitment lifestyle, and then we have just this convenient thing, whether it's convenience inside of marriage or convenient outside of marriage. So natural family planning takes knowledge, communication, awareness, agreement, commitment, time, and self-discipline, while contraception is fast, easy, and convenient. But in this case, a natural family planning couple who's very close to life that they didn't plan would mean the means are good. They're, they're not doing something and thwarting it at the same time, but their intentions are not good. Their final plan is not good because they're not open to life. And they've damaged the whole. So here are some dangers of contraception, body and soul. I need to finish up my section, so I'm going to go kind of quickly here. The pill is classified as a class one carcinogen. Did you know that? It causes cancer. It's a known cancer causer by the World Health Organization, not the Catholic Church, <laughs> the World Health Organization. Um, the pill, and I'm not sure about other forms of contraception, um, female contraception, uh, causes decreased libido, your sex drive, weight gain, depression, mood swings, blood clots. Um, and other other bad uh, physical side effects. Isn't that odd? It's like women are taking this so they can have sex without, you know, a baby, and yet it causes a, a decreased sex drive. <laughs> like, isn't that at counter purposes, cross purposes? Um, and women are willing to do this. Some women know that it's going to cause all these things. Weight gain. Women love that, right? Weight gain. <laughs> um, and yet they're willing to do this. Natalie Portman came out not too long ago and said 
she she was depressed for years and she figured out it was her it was her form of birth control she was using caused great depression also some women think well i'll just go off the pill and then i can have my baby i'll plan my baby in and then i'll go back on the pill and go back and get my degree or whatever the pill may cause you to not ovulate for up to two years because you're telling what what the pill is basically doing it's it's elevating your estrogen levels to a very high level and telling your body i'm pregnant i'm pregnant i'm pregnant so i can't get pregnant i'm pregnant i'm pregnant i'm pregnant so i can't get pregnant and so your body says okay is that what you want you want to never get pregnant we can arrange that so even after you go off the pill you can't get pregnant <laughs> so it can take two years for ovulation to come back Vicki Thorne, V-I-C-K-I, Thorne without an E, is this amazing woman who founded Project Rachel for post-abortion healing. Have you heard of Project Rachel? She is now doing the biology of the theology of the body. So she is showing us how the science behind theology of the body and how all of things that contraception do does to us. It is absolutely fascinating. And also, see, this sends a message. There's something called pheromones. Now, it's, it's controversial whether humans, you know, pr- it's not proven about human pheromones. But when they've tested this in monkeys, they put the female monkeys on um, contraception. The males were no longer interested in them. Because it signaled pheromonally that I'm not available right now. I'm pregnant. I belong to some other monkey, some other guy. <laughs> I'm not yours. So single women walking around with these high estrogen levels saying, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. There is some communication to men. Why wouldn't there be? So that men aren't, you, you seem unavailable to a guy. Pheromonally. Isn't that interesting? And, and there's so many other things like this that it's just, I've seen Vicki Thorne present to young adult groups and you see the girls looking at each other going, oh my gosh, like this. Expl-. And, and also you, you marry Mr. Wrong because you're, um, your pheromonal levels, which work through your olfactory sense, are wrong. They're off. You're partly, why you're attracted to one guy and not another is because of metabolisms. You're trying to like match, get somebody with the right metabolism for you. There have been stories where when a woman in a marriage went off of the pill, her husband said to her, you smell different. Like it's like, yeah, anyway, there's just, we can't get into all these things, but there is a I will send this to you. It's a, it's a YouTube of Vicki Thorne talking about these things. And the female body was never meant to have those high levels of estrogen or to be continuously pregnant. Estrogen for women is a precancerous hormone. And we know there is a connection. Um, there's these breast cancer connections, right? Between contraception, also abortion and breast cancer. Many forms of female contraception are also abortifacients. So contraception, uh, conception happens, but then the baby can't implant because of the contraception. Also, um, women have been peeing estrogen, the synthetic estrogen, into the water supply for 50 years now. And hormones don't break down in water purification plants. So we are, we are drinking estrogen, again, which is precancerous for women, um, and it feminizes men. Hello, estrogen is the girly hormone, okay? It feminizes men. Now, there's other things that mock estrogen, like pesticide runoff, plastics. Just Google it, these things that are 
really so bad for, for men and endocrine disruptors, all of that. So there's, there's a, a, a lot of really negative side effects. Because it's quick and easy, couples may begin to take sex and each other for granted instead of as a gift. There was a statistic by the Guttmacher Institute, which used to be part of Planned Parenthood. Now they're separate and Planned Parenthood donates to the Guttmacher Institute. So if you want to trust that, you can. According to one of their statistics, 54% of women who have abortions were on contraception. They were on contraception when they got pregnant and now they're going for abortions. And again, by always separating love and life in the relationship um, and not making that total gift, it can cause a kind of coldness to come into the relationship and the couple won't know why, why they're sort of drifting apart. If couples reject God's ways in this area of our lives that is so tied up with us being in the image of God and with our vocation to love and life, where are we going to reject God in other parts of our life? This is the most important part of our life. Where else are we, where are we going to glue him back in? Okay. Parking spaces. <laughs> oh, Lord, I need parking spaces. Um, you know, this is, this is, it should start from here, right? Um, even Protestants, you know, they're, they're reading the Bible now and there's, there's quite a few messages about contraception's not okay in the Bible. Um, and they're saying like, this isn't right. And, you know, we should have God in our bedroom. Like that should be the first place we want God to be. The pill is treated like a wonder drug. So it's given out. That's why I was offered it at age 13 um, to, to cure up acne. Put, they put a teenage girl on the pill. Do you know why it cu cures acne? Clears it up? What? The hormones. Yeah, the hormones, which tell you you're pregnant. Women get that nice, rosy, healthy glow when they're pregnant, right? But, and, and it's good for endometriosis. And there's some things that um, it might actually be good for. Um, but we have to consider all the side effects. So is this like killing a gnat with a stick of dynamite? <laughs> you know, like, do you really want to do that? <laughs> is there other ways of killing that gnat? And there are. There are many um, natural ways, but also ways that take, uh, take into consideration surgeries, um, other medications that don't have these side effects, that are not abortifacients, that are not um, contraceptive medications and treatments. Napro Technology is one. There's a center here in Toronto as well for Napro Technology, polysix.com, uh, for male and female fertility issues um, So and for infertility. So for example, um, if a woman, they'll actually find out why she's infertile if they can. So maybe her tubes are crinkled. They will uncrinkle her tubes. What a concept. So she can conceive naturally, hopefully. Very great success rate and much cheaper than things like IVF, in vitro fertilization, which is not okay, not allowed. Okay. So here are some of the benefits of natural family planning, body and soul. The act of sex, the marital embrace, is totally open to one's spouse, to God, to new life. Body and soul are whole. There is integrity and integrality. Husband and wife are on the same page. Natural family planning, as we said, makes the man attentive to the woman's cycle because women are not always available. 
That is the lie of male domination, porn, prostitution, and a misreading of the scriptures. Okay. Mother Earth is feminine. She has cycles, right? We have the seasons. It's not always Christmas and Easter. <laughs> There's Lent and Advent. Um, Mother Church has cycles, liturgical cycles, right? Oh, sorry, sorry. Mother Earth is um, it's not always spring and summer. There is fall and winter. Mother Church has cycles. It's not always Christmas and Easter. There is Lent and Advent. So natural family planning is completely healthy for men, women, babies, and the environment because we're not peeing out synthetic estrogen. They asked John Paul II, the U.S. bishops, one time when he came to visit, they said, how can we make the church's teaching on sexuality appealing <laughs> to people? <laughs> First of all, theology of the body. He didn't say that, though. He put his head down and he said, it is necessary to understand the soul of a woman. How can we make the t church's teaching on sexuality appealing to people? It is necessary to understand the soul of a woman. JP2, did you know he said, I am the feminist pope? Did you know that? And he really was a good, a good feminist, right? He, he, he got it. He said, women pay more for their sexuality. Women pay more. We have the lion's share. And see, women are so used to ignoring their bodies. And sex doesn't equal babies, so we've divorced that in our minds. So when I say to women's groups sometimes, I say, we have the lion's share of sexuality, meaning the larger portion. If a mouse and a lion had a, had a meal together, who would get more food? The lion, right? Because it needs more food. I say to women, and they look at me like with a blank stare, what do you mean we have... I said, ladies, do I really have to explain this? We have monthly cycles. Men don't. We have the pain and peril of child. We, we're pregnant for nine months. We have the pain and peril of childbirth. We breastfeed. Oh, that! <laughs> it's like, yes, that. That is a huge part of our lives. Even if you're not going to use all that apparatus, okay? It's still a huge part of our lives, right? And it reflects spiritually in our spiritual motherhood, too, all of that stuff. Okay. There's also no harmful chemicals, no side effects. Uh, 97 to 98% effective in achieving or avoiding pregnancy. Um, some women are irregular, right? So it's, it can be a little more challenging, but there are fertility doctors who can help you with your irregularity as well. Natural family planning deepens and upgrades a couple's relationship because it requires increased communication. So couples report, NFP couples report that during that week of abstinence or so, it's like they're dating again. They have to find other ways to express their love. Other ways. Um, so some men who don't want to try NFP, to practice NFP, they say, you mean I can't show love to my wife? It's like, dude, if that's the only way you show love to your wife, your marriage is already in trouble. As beautiful as it is, as much of a part of, of marriage as it is, as, you know, those four purposes of sex going to lead you to heaven and all that good stuff. If that's the only way you show love to your wife, your marriage is already in trouble. Okay. Abstinence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> okay. So I know a priest in Saskatchewan, and his niece is married to an atheist. She's Catholic, but she's married to an atheist. And... Uh, 
they decide they were con- they have a few kids they were contracepting they decided to try natural family planning so the husband who's still an atheist told father who would have thunk the catholic church could improve your sex life <laughs> he said ever since natural family planning wow Be- sexo naturel right he's like it's gotten so much better in every way our relationship and our, our sexual relationship is just so much better Couples don't live in a fear of pregnancy. Couples can relax in their trust of each other and God. And to me, this alone should speak volumes and just everybody should try it because of this. What is the divorce rate of natural family planning couples? Between one and 2%. Wow. Between one and 2%. Okay. And there's even new interest in uh, natural family planning for health and green reasons. So women are doing yoga and they don't smoke and they're eating organic food and they're putting chemicals in their body, these harmful carcinogenic, and they're like, no, there's gotta be another way. So some women are trying it just for green reasons. So what's not to like about natural family planning? Nothing, okay. Now, doesn't contraception prevent abortions? I'm sure some, sometimes, yes, but it has encouraged people to be promiscuous. So people are having sex where they wouldn't have had sex in in situations where they absolutely are not going to keep that baby if they get pregnant. So it's actually increased um, abortions majorly, and it is backup contraception. Abortion is used massively as backup contraception. So the Catholic Church will continue to reject contraception and abortion because it is so damaging to love and life and a good view of the human person, as we said before. We're never going to cave on that, ever. And because why? Because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Of infallibility and the Holy Spirit guiding the church, the magisterium. Um, So we're never going to cave. Even if we might hear an individual bishop or priest say something, Uh, Priests are not part of the magisterium. They're part of the hierarchy, but not the magisterium. The bishops are are the magisterium in communion with the Pope. Um, That's never going to happen. So very quickly, I know I'm going a little over time, um, but this will take me maybe five more minutes. So here's the story of Humanae Vitae. So 1960, the pill was invented. Uh, Vatican Council II was 1962 to 1965, and the topic of contraception came up, and they wanted to deal with it as part of Vatican II, and Pope Paul VI said, no, if there's new findings, new science, I want to hear about it. So he created a commission after Vatican II to advise him, to give him all the latest science, all the latest details about the pill, etc., so he had married couples, doctors, scientists, priests, theologians, whatever to advise him. Now, what do you think this commission advised him to say yes to contraception or no? They told him to say yes. And he said, no, that's why we have a Pope. Okay. It's not mob rule. Okay. And this was just an advisory committee. Now, a friend of mine, Katrina Zeno, who's a big theology of the body gal in Phoenix, Arizona, She's actually, that's one of a diocese that has a TOB point person. That's all she does for the diocese. Just 
gets TOB out there. Vancouver has one too, Father Bois Claire. Every diocese should have one. You have an exorcist and you have a TOB, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're not related, I'm just kidding. Um, so she, she was telling me, she went back and she read all of the commission reports. And she said, they're actually very beautiful. And it sounds like theology of the body, except it's, it's what we call fundamental option um, or situation ethics. Meaning, um, as long as you have a good intention and you have some kids in the marriage, it's kind of that um, the principle of totality. It doesn't matter what you do, your individual acts. So the marital act marital embrace does not have to be open to life all the time which is <laughs> you're shaking your head which we could say that about stealing as long as i'm basically a good person and i'm not like a thief right and i don't want to like steal all the time if i steal a few times it's okay those individual acts are not sinful you can't say that every human act is a human act and it's either a good human act or or not so very interesting and did you know that many, I just found this out and I was shocked about two years ago that many churches, most churches or ecclesial communities or whatever, they vote on doctrine. How can you vote on the truth? Do you think this is true? I'm not, yeah. It wasn't true five years ago, but now it's true. Or, it's, or it was true, now it's false. They vote on doctrine. Oh my gosh. Okay, so... So sadly, what happened was, um, so some people like faulted Pope Paul VI because the pill came out in 1960, Humanae Vitae came out in 1968, eight years later. So by that time, people were doing whatever they wanted, right? People were, which they shouldn't have because the church has always said no to contraception and abortion. But, you know, sometimes false hope is held out somewhere. Like there's this feeling like things are going to change soon. Priests thought, in the 60s and 70s, they thought they were going to have optional celibacy. So a lot of priests entered the priesthood thinking they could get married someday, and it didn't happen, so they left the priesthood, right? Stuff like that. So we need to like not think that things are necessarily going to change the way we want them to, right? So many Catholics were very disappointed by Humanae Vitae, and there was, like, there was massive rebellion, right? Um, I think if you watch the trailer to the movie Sexual Revolution, 50 years since Humanae Vitae that was playing as we entered, um, Dr. Kreeft, Peter Kreeft said, it's one of the most disobeyed teachings of the church, right? Um, they say like huge, no, there's some huge percentage of Catholics that do contracept, right? Um, one bishop I heard, he called it an unreceived teaching. And yet it wasn't a new teaching. It was an old teaching. And they didn't have theology of the body, right? How could they really understand it fully? We couldn't. Um, so Pope Paul VI predicted four things would happen if contraception was wholeheartedly embraced by society. And I leave it up to you to decide whether these have come true. Super prophetic, four things. Promiscu... What, what do you think they are? <laughs> Just, yeah. That's one. He said promiscuity, marital infidelity, 
and breakdown of the family. What else? Three more. Increased objectification of women. Women are, have been objectified for a long time, um, but he said women will be objectified even more and, and within marriage in particular in, in a new way. So I'm going to read you his little quote that I think is so beautiful. And, you know, as a former radical feminist who thought all the popes and the, hi the male hierarchy were uh, misogynists, this is definitely not a misogynist statement. He said, this is Pope Paul VI, a man who grows accustomed to the use of contraceptive methods may forget the reverence due to a woman and disregarding her physical and emotional equilibrium reduce her to a mere instrument for the satisfaction of his own desires, no longer considering her as his partner whom he should surround with care and affection. And the Catholic Church is so anti-woman. Oh, we oppress women and we put women down. Oh my gosh. Isn't that incredible, that statement? Number three, governments will begin mandating and forcing contraception, or at very least providing it and funding it and promoting it. And number four, now think of some connections that are going on in today's society. Number four, he said, we will begin to think we can do anything we want with the body rather than treating it as sacred. So there is a connection to gender ideology, contraception and gender ideology that says the body doesn't matter. I can change my sex. I can do surgeries on my body and change my body into whatever I want it to be in the most radical form of doing whatever I want with my body. All right. So to wrap up this portion, we use modern medicine and technology and science for so many parts of our lives. Why not for fertility? Why can't we just manage this part of our lives with, well, we kind of answered this question a bit already, right? That we do, we are using science. We're using modern science to do natural family planning. Um, but we, and we talked about the artificial arm, the prosthetic, which is, natural because it does what an arm does, whereas contraception does not do what fertility does, but thwarts a healthy functioning system in the body. But there's more, there's more to it. And, and we use pacemakers, right? To do what a heart does. Okay. And we said medicine prevents or cures diseases. Fertility is not a disease. Number two, our fertility involves the most intimate parts of our body, which is a big part of our vocation in life and a big part of our giving and receiving love in life, a big part of imitating God, participating in God's life, being open to God in our life, a big part of our path to holiness in heaven. So that's going to be very special, right? So wherever we apply science, technology, we're going to have to be very careful in this area, right? Does that make sense? Could have very, very special intentions here and principles. So we want to work in harmony with the body's own natural processes. 
And I really believe we need to start talking to teens about this stuff and train, even helping young women learn how to chart in their teen years. That people say, oh, if they do that, they'll start having sex using natural family planning. <laughs> it's like, no, they're not going to take that much time. Sorry. And actually, the exact opposite has been proven to be true. There's something called STAR. Have you heard of Dr. Hannah Klaus? She does STAR sexual training in the context of adult responsibility. And she has found the exact opposite to be true. She started it in the missions and then she brought it back to North America and is using it in urban areas where once young people, teens who are sexually active, learn about their bodies, men learning about their bodies, young women learning about their bodies on their own. They're like, I'm not ready for this. And my body's amazing. I'm going to start treating my body well, but we don't give our young people information about their bodies, how their bodies work, right? We just go, here's a condom. Uh, it's better you don't have sex, but we know you are. So here's a condom. Here's how you use it. Here's birth control. Be safe. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. Our young people, we need to teach them about their bodies. But in the con we can never do sex ed as just biology, as mechanics. It involves the whole person, relationships, God, love, life, marriage, vocation, right? It's, you keep it all together as a whole. Okay, so again, it sounds like we are making, taking very great care to leave room for God in this part of our lives, yes? Absolutely. Because we will feel the bitter effects of shutting God out of this part of our life. Um, and we won't, it won't help us to achieve our goals. So when we suppress our fertility, we're also suppressing other aspects of our sexuality and, and our personhood, which is really weird because our culture is supposed to be about sexual freedom and we're really taking away that freedom and suppressing that freedom. So we can't just isolate and manipulate one part of our bodies or our sexuality without affecting all of it. And also it's going to cause a trivialization of sex, right? Um, when's, how many times have you heard it's just sex, right? Like every TV show, right? Every movie, they get to the point. It's almost like they're required by how their union must say these words, SAG, the Actors Guild or something, you know. It's just sex. Oh, dad, it's just sex. Like there's no such thing as just sex, right? Okay. So thank you. God bless you. I'm sorry I kept you over. So can you can we do lunch in a half an hour? But you can you can bring it back and keep eating. One thirty, we're having a woman come, Teresa Lachina Lacina, and she's going to explain um, the Billings method and how that kind of works. So thank you. We'll see you at one thirty.